Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Go ahead and grab a seat. Fun to be with you guys this morning. Um, if you have not noticed, um, things around here have been changing pretty drastically, uh, even with kind of some worship stuff this morning. We're moving things around in the sets and figuring things out. And just in particular, this last year has been crazy around here. This month is the month that we mark where uh, Scott got called to Austin. And so it has been just a year since that major transition happened. Um, uh, and I slid over into Scott's uh, position. We just as a couple of months ago, if you will remember, um, we had been praying and discerning and having lots of conversations with you about what it means to move forward. And so we have stepped out under the United Methodist Church, another massive change for our community. Holy smokes, uh, you see the inside of our building uh, with the storm hit, another massive change. It blew my fence down as well. Uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, we have experienced significant change just this last year. And no doubt that's true for you and for your life as well. You experience change every day. It is normal. Well, um, one of the things that I've been really thinking about and wrestling with is wh why is that? Why are we as a body, why are we as a community um, always changing things, tuning things up, figuring things out, letting go of this, figuring out that, pushing into this? Well, it may not be just self-evident on the surface level, but I just live with this assumption about who God is, that while I believe that God's character and his nature never, ever waver or change, God is always on the move. That God is always in the business of drawing you forward. He's inviting you and I to take another step. And so if we want to be about what God is about, we have to get in line with the things that he is doing. And so things are always going to change. And that's a response from a heart that's trying to be as faithful as possible to what God is up to. And if you have not um, really picked up on the rumblings this last year, God has been so good to our community. And he's been so kind to us that we've had a year to kind of get our house in order and figure things out here as a community. But that season is quickly coming to a close. There is a rumbling and underpinning that it is time for us as a community to look our heads up and begin to, to discern what God is up to and get under that and move forward. And so expect lots of more changes as we are trying to discern um, uh, what God is up to. Um, that's a scary position for, for you and for us as a community, for us as a Riverside community to say, God, we want to be about what you're about. If you call us to this, God, we want to be people that respond. That's a scary communal response. But you know what's also really scary? Is when that knocks on your front door. And for you and I to be the type of people that say, God, I, I, I don't hold anything so tightly that I will not let it go. That it all belongs to you. You decide and I'll respond. To live a, a, a life so soaked in faith that we are declaring to God with every single day, with every heartbeat that we beat, God, you are in control and I am not. So you speak and I'll be somebody that responds.
That's a scary place, honestly, for us to, to get to the reality if, of that. If God is calling you forward, then this idea of lining everything up in life, um, there's friction there. And we got to talk about what that actually looks like. Because if we're following Jesus, if we're living our lives mirrored the way that Jesus lived his life, Jesus walked this earth and he said, not my will, but your will be done. God, you get to decide and I'll be faithful. And that took him all the way to the cross. <laughs> we got to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, we got to talk about what that looks like to have that audacious of a faith. We got to talk about that faith statement because that is massive that you and I are the type of community that we don't hold anything so tight, anything so tight that when God speaks, we aren't ready to go. I mean, that's pretty, it's a pretty cliche saying because we talk about that all of the time. But I just wonder when it knocks on your front door, I mean, you, you, got, you got to deal with that. That at the essence of the Christian faith is a life lived by faith. And so this morning, we are going to be anchoring into this idea of what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to have big, audacious, scary faith that says, God, you decide and I'll respond. God, you get to highlight the path and I'll be somebody that just jumps. And so this summer, we have been going through a series called The Spiritual Effect. And kind of the idea that we have been talking about is we have been highlighting some of the foundational aspects of the Christian faith. We've talked about like the Trinity. We've talked about um, what does it mean? What is the gospel? We've talked about how do you pray? And so what we've done is we've kind of parked and slowed down on some of these foundational things that we would all say, yeah, those are central for us but that so often we don't pause to actually consider. And we're calling it the spiritual effect because we have this idea that there's a difference between an effect and an effect. Effect is if I push this bottle, there is a causation. The effect would be, is it hitting the ground and spilling all over the ground? Well, we think with these foundational truths, there is that aspect as well. There should be a effect, what God does, and then there should be an effect of how that shows up in the lives of a believer. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to consider what does it look like to, for the effect of faith to show up in your life? What does that look like to have an effect of faith guide your everyday, normal, every single day life? And so this morning, maybe a way for you to consider kind of what we're leaning into this morning is where is it in your life at this very moment where you have stepped out by faith. And if, like, God, if God doesn't catch you, I mean, it's not looking real good. Where is it in your life where you have positioned yourself to really step out because you've heard God say something, you've heard him, and you have responded, and you're all in, and if it doesn't go well, it's in trouble. And what we'll see this morning is that God is always faithful and he always responds. But where is it in your life where you have really stepped out and are living a life by faith? Because the honest to God truth for myself, and this is a confession this morning, I want my life to be so dialed in with finances, with my kids, my agenda, where I'm going in life, what we're doing, 
that is just nice and neatly and it's orderly. And can I tell you something? That is not faith. Faith is scary. Faith is, God, it's all yours. It's all yours. I trust you with it all. And as you're going to see this morning, if you are a Jesus follower, you are designed to live by this type of audacious, scary faith. And it, it is very scary to say, God, you choose and I'll respond wherever that takes us. That means that you don't step out because of your feelings. You don't step out because it makes sense. You don't step out because you can see the logic in it. You step out because God has spoken and you're responding. And that's what we're anchoring ourselves into. And I can promise you this. If you are bored in your journey with Jesus, I can almost guarantee you it's because you're not allowing your faith engine to drive you forward with your relationship with Christ. Because if you are stepping out in faith, it is the one of the most beautiful, um, life-giving I cannot wait to see what God is up to today type of experiences. And so this morning, uh, if you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles, where we're going to be working over in Hebrews chapter 11. And so if you grab your Bibles, please take notes this morning. Y'all, I'm not going to lie. Today's really good. I mean, it's going to be really good this morning. I've been off for two weeks, and so I'm going to fire hose you this morning. It's been really fun to see what the Lord's going to, what the Lord brought up over these last couple weeks. I've had some great conversations with a bunch of y'all about this morning, and so I'm really excited. So please take notes this morning. We're going to be in Hebrews 11. Go to Revelations, which is the back of the book, and go a couple books to the left, and you'll find Hebrews. But just to give you a little, a little snapshot of what he, what's going on in the book of Hebrews. Um, so we don't know the author of uh, or who wrote the book of Hebrews, but it's written to a group of people that initially um, said yes to Jesus, that said yes to this thing called the way. And uh, the way had a lot of momentum behind it. It had a lot of uh, excitement and anticipation. In fact, it was kind of what everybody in culture in the society was doing. It was this phenomenon like they've never seen before. And so if you were a follower of Christ or a member of this thing called the way, you enjoyed kind of this position in society and in culture that was very impactful. And it was, and it was like this beautiful expression of giving your lives to one another. And honestly, it didn't cost you very much. Um, because it was so central to cultural and to society. And all of that came crashing down when the emperor said, "Uh uh-uh, no more of that. And suddenly the thing that was not costly began to be very costly. In fact, you could find yourself literally face-to-face in the Colosseum with the lion or holding a sword uh, in the Colosseum fighting for your life. And it became very costly. In fact, members of the way got pushed out of society and out of culture where you used to hold this place of prominence. Suddenly, you're on the outside and nobody really wants to let you in. And it became very, very costly. And the author of Hebrews for the first 10 chapters is going right down the list. Um, uh, Chapter after chapter after chapter, um, just repeating um, themselves saying, Jesus is better. Y'all, Jesus is better than anything that comes against you. 
Jesus is better than your finances. Jesus is better than any sort of opposition. Jesus is better than your very life. Jesus is better than fill in the blank. And so for 10 chapters, right down the line, Jesus is better, Jesus is better, Jesus is better until you get to chapter 11. And then there's a shift that takes place and they begin to have a discussion about what does it mean to have faith? And so that's where we're going to be jumping in this morning. So if you are visiting or new to Riverside, we say the Shema on some Sunday mornings, which simply means to hear or to listen. Uh, it's not something that we just made up, uh, but that's something that's found in the Older Testament as well in the New Testament. Um, Jesus, uh, when asked by some of his uh, crowds that were following him, asked him what the greatest commandment was, and Jesus quotes part of the Shema. We say it because we think it's powerful um, way to prepare ourselves to receive God's words. And so we'll say just the first two lines in Hebrew because that's the language that Jesus would have known it in. And it's something really beautiful and profound about having the language of Jesus, what he, how he would have known it rolling around in our lips. Oftentimes you'll see people raise their finger, uh, finger up because is anybody a forgetful person? <laughs> I'm a very forgetful person and I need to be reminded about a lot. And throughout the um, Older Testament, um, you see this phrase that says the hand of God or the finger of God. And that was a picture of God's power and of his might. And so we raise a pinky just to be reminded of God's power and of his might and that there's enough power in the world to transform your life in the smallest finger of God's hand. And so I'm gonna invite you to stand as we say the Shema together this morning and prepare ourselves to receive God's words. Let's say the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai God, hear O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so God, as we read these words, our prayer is always that they would read us. God, may we believe that your word did not speak. It is still speaking to this day. May we see things we've never seen before so that we can be things we've never been before. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. All right, friends. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 1. It says this. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. And so let's pause right there and not just glance over that, but did you see what it says? Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for, but we cannot see. So do me a favor. I know it's kind of cheesy. Just cover your eyes this morning. C cover your eyes, close your eyes, and put one hand over. Now, where are you sitting? <laughs> You're here. You're in a seat. You're at the church building. Can you see that reality? No. But you know you are, your, your faith is that you are sitting in a chair that you can't see, but that you're experiencing it. Now open your eyes. That's what faith is. Faith is, I can't see it out there, but I can experience it because he, it's the unseen is actually the thing that is how we actually define reality. So what you physically lay your eyes on when it comes to faith is not the ultimate truth of what you live by. When you close your eyes and you take a step forward, you are living by faith. It's choosing to say that what you can't see is actually 
the reality that God has in store for you. Um, you might be able to kind of define it this way. Um, faith is this, stepping out today with the reality of what will be tomorrow. Y'all, we need to go home after that. <laughs> That's powerful. That is good stuff for us this morning. That faith is stepping out today with the reality of what will be tomorrow. Holy, holy smokes, when God speaks, even though I can't see it out there, when God speaks, I get to step out today trusting that the reality that God has promised will show up tomorrow. That is mind-blowing. That is power, powerful, powerful stuff. That when you step out, faith is stepping out today with the reality of what will be tomorrow. It is pushing your chips all in before you see the hand. Because you're that confident that faith is stepping out today with the reality of what you will experience tomorrow. Unbelievably powerful stuff. So as we read, um, kind of make our way through the scriptures, there's something I want you to see and something, a lens that I want you to understand the rest of the scripture with this morning. Um, if faith is stepping out today with the reality of what will be tomorrow, this is absolutely critical and essential for every single one of us. Go ahead is that faith is the engine to your spiritual life. It is the engine to your spiritual life. If the Holy Spirit, if we're clear about this, if the Holy Spirit ignites us, helps us come alive, and fuels the life of a believer, then the engine that drives us forward is faith. So this last six weeks for me, y'all, it's been crazy. I mean, it has been crazy. Um, I got necrotizing fasciitis, this flesh-eating bacteria. <laughs> Super embarrassing, by the way. Uh, I got that. Uh, my little one, Maggie, was in the hospital for three days with uh, um, a respiratory infection and asthma. Um, holy smokes, the church was flooded with four inches of water everywhere. My fence blew down. Uh, my water softener went out this last week. I'm like, add it to the list. Just add it to the list. Anything coming at me, I just know something's good is on the other side. This last week, uh, I'm driving home, and the check engine light starts bleeding in my car. <laughs> oh, great. That's just what I needed right now. And I hear this grinding in my car, and I'm like, oh, Lord, no. No, I don't. I, don't, I can't handle another one of these. And so I'm like, well, there is this little um, repair shop right in front of my neighborhood. Lord, I'm not greedy but can you just help me make it to the repair shop? Like, you don't have to fix my car. Just help me get to the repair shop. That's all I'm asking. And so uh, it's like 5.50 at night. And so I pull into the repair shop. I make it there. And the guy says, oh, we ran a diagnosis. It's going to be another couple thousand dollars. And I'm like, okay. Um, so I leave my car there because it's late. And he says, first thing in the morning, we'll get on it. Now, let's pretend that you are driving by and you see my car parked out front um, that next afternoon or that late that evening. You would think, oh, nothing. there's John's car. But what you would fail to see is that the engine has died, <laughs> that it's broken, that it's not working properly. That engine is supposed to drive the car forward. And I think that's it's so true of our spiritual journey too. 
that the engine of your spiritual life is meant to drive you forward, that it's meant to propel you down the road. And can I just be real honest that when you and I choose to not live with the engine of our life, faith propelling us down the road, we're as good as dead on the side of the road. We're a broke down car. And so many of us, I think, honestly, uh, we don't exercise the gift of faith that we've been given. And there are things that have attached to you and things that have attached to me that were never part of the, um, were never part of your DNA. Where we, me, you, us, we live in a world where safety reigns. We live in a rule where security is paramount. Where we kind of circle the wagons, if you will, and we're afraid to really risk and to step out. And that's never, that's never been part of the DNA of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So many of us tend to struggle with that. And what happens is the car gets parked and it gets parked for a long time. And suddenly we're like, this following Jesus thing is really pretty, pretty boring. I didn't sign up for this. You're right. That's not what you signed up for. That's not the DNA of who you are or how God is wired you. You are wired to this big, scary, audacious faith that is meant to help you come alive. It's meant to help you come alive, to step out and let the engine of your life, be, uh, faith be the engine of your life to drive you down the road. Let's keep going. Look at verse two. It says this. Then the author of Hebrews gives us a couple examples. It says this. Although their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. What we see today did not come from anything that was seen. And so the author of Hebrews starts at the Genesis account and lets us know that from the very beginning of what it means um, to be, uh, for the world to be created, God has set it up. Were you there at creation? Did you see him create anything? No. But you are living in the reality of what was unseen yesterday became the seen today. Just so you know, God has set it up from the very beginning that what was unseen, that we trust in what is unseen until it becomes the, re excuse me, the reality of today. Because the reality is, listen, this is, this is a beautiful, beautiful picture today. The reality or the step that you took yesterday, there are, let me say it this way, the step of faith that you took yesterday is your reality today. The step of faith that you took yesterday is your reality yes, or today. That with every step of faith that I take at God's word and his promise and how he's moving and how he's guiding it, that determines the reality that I get to live in today. And God said from the very beginning, way back in Genesis, this is normal. This is how it's supposed to be. We trust in not what was seen, but what was unseen. Let's go keep going to verse four. Then. Verse four says this. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. 
Although Abel is long gone, listen to this, he still speaks to us by his example. And so the author of Hebrews starts going right through the Genesis narrative and we get to the story of Cain and Abel. And it says that although Abel is long gone, his life still speaks to us. Why? Why does Abel's life still speak to us? Because a faithful life will live on long after you're gone. No matter who you are, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, every one of us has this hole inside, this God-shaped hole inside of us that is searching for meaning, that is searching for significance, that, that says, I want my life to be something that's more than just myself so that at the end of my days, when I come to my last day, I can look back and say, I didn't squander that thing. Like my life was bigger than just me. It, it mattered and I leave behind something that's more than just stuff, right? If you want to live a life that outlives your life, what the scripture points to is live it by faith. Because faith, a, a life lived of, by faith will speak long after you're gone. Please hear me on this. Hear me. This is, this is not an accusation against you, but this is, a, this is a shift that we need to make as a community. Leaving behind an inheritance, although it's really nice, do you know what's better than leaving behind an inheritance? Leaving behind a legacy. An inheritance is just what you leave to somebody. But what you leave in somebody is a legacy that will speak long after you're gone. And God, when you, live, when you step out and you live a life by faith, you begin to leave a legacy for those that come behind you. It's what you see in the life of Abel. Let's keep going. Look at verse 5. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up without dying. He disappeared because God took him, which is super funny. But before he was taken up, he was known as a person that pleased God. And so you're going through the Genesis narrative and you come to Enoch. And if you don't know the story of Enoch, it's super strange. Help me out because I'm not real. I don't have a real solid take on it. But all we really know about Enoch was is he walked with God and then he was no more. He did not experience death. Um, and what that tells me is, is that if you look at the life of Enoch that comes right after the story of Cain and Abel, God declares both of these people as people of great faith. But think about the trajectory of each of their lives. Abel experienced death, but Enoch was taken up. That tells, that tells, that tells me that I am not guaranteed which path the Lord has for me. And I can still be faithful on whatever outcome is the Lord's. You and I have to be people that are very, very careful not to say that because I step out by faith that I'm guaranteed an outcome. Because you look at Enoch and you look at Abel and the life trajectory of each one of those people was very, very different, right? You see that this trajectory is that we are not guaranteed a certain outcome. What we're guaranteed is, is that we're guaranteed more of Jesus. And, so, and, 
And if you're like me, it's real easy to equate success with whatever I had envisioned the equation equaling up to. And I believe that God is saying we have to be a community that's untied from the outcome and the greatest satisfaction that we actually have, just being faithful. Of just being willing to step out and to go where God is inviting us, to go wherever he is sending. So let's keep going. We're going to finish it up. Look at verse 6. It's impossible, impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he will reward those for whoever sincerely seeks him. Now, if you are a follower of Christ in the room, you need to hear, hear this. If you got brought from uh, with a family or friend and you're not a follower of Christ, you need to hear this on the front end. It is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without the leap forward, this scary leap forward of faith. There was this moment where you, if you're a follower of Christ, where God said yes to you and you responded with a yes back to him. And that moment was a beautiful moment where you had to take a step of faith believing what God said was actually true. What makes us think that it would be any different from that day forward? This whole thing is meant to live with that in mind, that when you said yes to Jesus, at that very first moment, that was a massive leap of faith, a massive step forward. And it, is, and it has been every day since then. Um, I've been at Riverside 13 years now. Um, this is my 13th year here. And uh, I turned down the job here, not once, but twice. Um, I had a good friend who was on staff here in the children's ministry and said, will you come out and uh, be our student pastor? And I was like, no. Um, I was getting into the fire department. I had a couple bad experiences with the church. And I'm like, if that's the church, I don't want anything to be, I don't want anything to do with it. Those, I can't, no, it's not worth giving my life to. John, I just want you to pray about it. Fine, I'll pray about it, but I can already tell you what the answer is. <laughs> and uh, you don't step out by what you feel. You don't get to step out by what you know. You don't get to step out by logic. We get to step out because God has spoken. And that's been 13 years now, and there's been no greater reality that I've stepped into than getting to be a part of this community and getting to be a part of you. And if someday God says, John, you got to go, I'm gone because it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. Your life was never meant to be about pleasing yourself. Your life was meant to be pleasing him. And that's a scary, scary thing sometimes for you and I to have all of these things lined up and God says, yeah, but I've got something else in store for you. This is going to be a little painful. It's been really hard for me to sit in this last week. 
But did you know that God did not call you to a financial circumstance? He didn't call you to an occupation. He just called you to follow him. And somewhere along the road, we've allowed all these things to attach to us where it's like, I've got all of these things lined up and I've got my gifts and my talents and my abilities and my heartbeat and all of these things. And you know what? Sometimes God is so sweet that we get to, it's what he's doing. And God bless it. It's all planned out and it's beautiful. And sometimes we get to lay our life before the Lord, all of our gifts and all of our abilities and all of our talents. And God says, I have something so much better in mind for you. And suddenly we find ourselves in a place we never thought we would be before. Because it's impossible to please God without faith. If you keep going on, it says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. If you're taking notes in your Bible, a better way to translate that God exists is to translate it that God is faithful. Because this is a... a Um, the author is writing about what does it mean to have faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God is faithful. Why? Because when you and I live this type of lifestyle where we can't see and we step out, we need to know, we need to be able to count, we need to be able to feel secure that God is always gonna be faithful. He can't be anything other than faithful. It's his character, it's his nature, it's who he is, it's how he's hardwired. And so when you step out, when you jump forward, you know that God is gonna be faithful. And suddenly when God calls you to do something utterly ridiculous, or God invites you to do something really painful, like forgive or to go talk to somebody or to release somebody, suddenly that scary feeling of I'm in the dark and I can't see the reality, suddenly you know that God is faithful. He cannot be anything other than faithful. And it goes right down the list and it says, believes that God is faithful and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Um, Now in the West, we love this idea of rewards. Uh, My girls uh, play soccer and everyone gets a participation medal. And someday we'll all learn that it's probably okay for there to be winners and losers. It's probably okay. There's value in each one of those things. But it says... um, Anyone who believes that God is, you must, excuse me, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God is faithful and that he rewards. A better word for the reward is that God will respond. That God will respond to those who earnestly seek him. That every single time, because of the faithfulness of God, he will respond. How different would your life actually be? Guys, th- this, is, this is so foundational. This is so, like if we miss this, we, we miss the whole thing. How much of your life would actually be really different if you lit, woke up every single day knowing he's faithful and he's gonna respond. He's faithful and he's gonna respond. I go home and it's lonely and nobody knows the thoughts I have in my head no 
He's faithful. He's going to respond. My family is a train wreck. He's faithful. He's going to respond. Every single time, he can't do anything other than that. So often, we live with this reality of where we are to maybe where God has called us, and all this space is in between. We come with a defeated heart. And a faithful life, a life that the engine of your faithful life is driving you forward, it closes the gap between this. And we walk with a new reality. What you can't, what you can't see is not what's real. What you see is not what's real. But what you can't see is because he's faithful and he responds. He's faithful and he responds and it changes the way that you see your everyday life. I believe, uh, just for me personally, what this looks like is I believe the best is ahead for Riverside. I I can't tell you how excited I am about the season that we're in. It is going to be fun and powerful what the Lord does with us in the next few years. And not because it's just going to be fun and powerful, but because the presence of God is going to drop in a way that's going to be new and fresh like we've never experienced before. And I believe that that is God's heart. I believe I've heard him respond and I've heard him. But you know what I have to do every Sunday morning? I have to drive up here and I have to close the gap between my reality and what I see. Because what I, when I drive up here and what I see is, oh man, I see some empty chairs over here and I see some more empty chairs over there. But do you know what faith allows me to see? That's not my reality. Faith says, oh man, there's a seat for my sister and there's a seat for my neighbor and there's a seat for the person down the street from me there's a seat for my friends that don't know Jesus over there and it changes the way that I walk into this place because it's a new reality because I don't live with what I see being true I live that the unseen is actually the reality that I get to live in it is good (laughs) there's a, a Presbyterian pastor um that says this about faith and I think it's a good way for us to end this morning he says this faith is stepping out into the unknown with nothing to guide us but a hand just beyond our grasp do you know what you get when you jump you get Jesus that whenever you take that leap Dad's right there. Come on. I gotcha. Just jump. Do you know what happens if you never jump? You don't get to experience him. You're a parked car on the side of the road that's dead. Your life is meant to be a faithful life, that is. Here I come. I'm jumping. I'm jumping. Here I come, God. I just want to feel your embrace. The outcome is yours. Whatever you, whatever you're up to, I just want to. I want to. I'm coming to you. I'm jumping into your arms. And 
we get him. This morning, what might God be whispering to you? Where is it where you have, you're experiencing this reality today, but maybe God has spoken to you things maybe years ago or last week or whatever, where you're living in a reality and it's not the reality that you're experiencing of what he said to you. This morning, I want to invite you to close the gap. To close the gap by jumping. If you are bored, if your relationship with him feels lifeless, if it feels stale, if it feels like, I can promise you that the scary feeling of jumping out and stepping out in faith is only meant to make you come alive. It's only meant to make you come alive. And I believe that there are many of us in here that need to be jumping, that need to be stepping out in faith, that God has spoken things to you and it's been too long and it is time to move forward. This morning, I'm gonna ask you to mirror what Frederick Buechner says, faith is stepping out into the unknown and nothing to guide us but just a hand beyond our grasp. What would it look like for you this morning? What would it look like for you this morning to say, today's that day. Today's the day I'm closing the gap. I'm choosing a new reality. Let's pray together. God, you are so good and you're so kind. You can't be anything other than faithful. And you can't do anything other than respond. God, thank you that whenever we jump, it's not a jump into nothingness. It's a jump out into your character. It's a jump out into your heart. It's a jump out into your arms. And so God, I pray for myself and for my friends this morning that we are a community that says, I'm all in, two feet, here I come. That with every jump that we take, we get to experience more and more of you. And so God, we push back the fear. We push back, God, safety. We push back control. We push back finances. We push back on anything that keeps our feet stuck and say, it's all yours. And so Father, we're ready to jump this morning. God, because we know that you're always ready to catch us.